you can grab a seat and check this out. Welcome to the cooking, cooking class. Yeah, we're going to teach you how to make Cook. cookies. First, you need eggs, flour, mm -hmm. sugar, and chocolate chip. Put now, in. put in all the eggs. Not all egg, the egg, 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 egg. Not all the eggs. Just put in two eggs. And One, then put in some two, of the flour. Three, a half four, cup of five, flour. six, seven, eight. Switch in. You put too many eggs in. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You put only put in, you only put two eggs in there. Okay. One. No, you already put the eggs in. Now you have to start over. Two eggs in. Hey, take out the other egg. You don't do that. Put in a half cup of flour. Then you put in a half cup of flour. Okay, I'll put in more eggs. She's putting in more eggs. Sorry about this. I don't know what's going on. Man, that's uh, that's how we feel, right? That's how that's how it goes sometimes. Maybe that's your semester. Uh, sometimes we wind up in that position where we have no idea what's going on. We don't know how many eggs it takes. We don't know what, how many people are going to be in our project. We don't know if our roommates are ever going to show up again, right? They told us they'd be here Friday, and where's Joe? I don't know. Like, we don't know. Sometimes we find ourselves in that moment where we have no idea what's going on, whether it's with work or with school or with relationships, a dating relationship, where we talked maybe in December, and we're like, hey, I'll talk to you over the break, and then we didn't, and we're like, oh, I don't like, we don't know what's going on sometimes in life. Sometimes we don't know necessarily maybe what our goal is. And, and maybe if we, even if we have that goal, even if we have that purpose, we don't really know how to get there. We don't know our first steps to take to arrive at that destination. And what's tragic is that a lot of times we as believers even feel this towards God. Sometimes we as believers feel this in church. A lot of times we get caught up in kind of going through the motions or maybe we have that recipe that calls for these eggs and that sugar and these things and we just kind of go through the motions and we forget, wait, what, what really is our purpose here? What is our goal? What is our ultimate destination that we want to arrive at? What's our goal as a church? What's our purpose as a church, as the body of Christ? It's a question that I think we need to ask a lot more often. It's a question that I want to ask and, and hopefully answer this morning. This semester, we're going to be talking about a number of different things uh, that I'll, I'll talk about later this morning. But, but before the semester really starts, I want us to just kind of take a moment to sort of pause and look at, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing here? What's our goal? How do we get there? I thought this would be really helpful for those of us that maybe are new. Maybe this is our first time here. Or maybe uh, we're going to have visitors, you know, showing up. Maybe it's just our second or third time. And, it, and for you, that's, this is a really good moment to kind of stop and be like, okay, what, what is our goal? Like, what is the goal of Grace Bible Church? Like, where are we headed? What are we doing? And even for those of us that have been here a lot of times, those of us that know, like, hey, next week I better show up early because parking's going to be bonkers, right? Just so you know, if this is your first time, next week's going to be insane. No one's back this week. Or, I mean, some of us are back this week, but look out. Next week is, ugh. We have a 7 p.m. side note. If you want to come to that and even park and not... Uh, Brenham. So we have, we have this goal, though, ahead of us that many of us, maybe we've been coming for a long time, we, we forget. We never knew to begin with. So I thought this morning what would be really helpful is if we just stop and we just ask that question, what is our goal and how are we going to get there? 
Our scripture, our Bible, God's word tells us where we're headed. It, it tells us the ultimate destination of humanity. We see it in Revelation chapter 7, where he says, After these things I looked, and here was an enormous crowd that no one could count, made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in long white robes. John is describing this vision that God has given him of, of this future day where people of every nation, tribe, and people, and language would be there. A crowd so enormous, you couldn't even count it. And they're all gathered, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, meaning Jesus Christ, who's dressed in long white robes. In other words, he's in this symbol, he's a symbol of purity and of royalty. And all these people are gathered with palm branches in their hands, and they're shouting out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. These are people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. These people are gathered around Jesus Christ, praising God, praising Jesus Christ, saying that salvation belongs to him, who's seated on the throne, to the Lamb. This is where humanity's headed. This is where all human history is going to wind up. This is the goal of creation. The destination of creation. This is what God has set forth. This is what we see all through Scripture. Everything in Scripture points to this moment that one day Jesus Christ would be victorious. That we wouldn't just know Jesus Christ as as the one who stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for our sin. That's a beautiful thing that God has done for us to send us Jesus Christ as that perfect sacrifice. But one day he's going to come back, not in in humility, but in in glory and splendor and in victory. That's where we're headed. So why... Aren't we there yet? That's my first question. When I read things like this, I'm like, that sounds awesome. So, like, you want to do that at, like, three? Or, like, I got an open afternoon. Like, when are we going to get there? Why has Jesus Christ left us here? Why are we still on this earth? Why isn't God just bringing that about now, this glorious moment, when all, every tongue will or confess, every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord? Why, why aren't we there at this moment? Why are we set up as a church? Why did Jesus Christ leave us in a broken world? He told us, Matthew 28, when he came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission. Jesus Christ parting words to his disciples, to his his followers. He says, look, this is what you're going to do now. This is why I'm leaving you. This is why as I'm ascending to heaven, you're not coming with me. This is why you can't join me yet. Because I'm leaving you for this purpose. To make disciples of all nations. To baptize them. To teach them everything that I commanded you. Your purpose on this world is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is a thing that we talk about a lot as churches. Maybe you've even heard it back home, or maybe we've even talked about it here. I can't really remember. But what we see that there's this great commission, this great sending moment. And a lot of people, man, you can kind of reword this and break it down and apply it in a lot of different ways. And I think it's, you know, it's, it, that's good. That's a good thing for us to do, to kind of pick out certain bits and pieces and be like, okay, this, so this is what we really feel called to as, a, as an organization or a church or a fraternity or sorority or whatever it is. So for here at Grace Bible Church, I'll tell you, this is, this is how we apply this, right? When we read this and we see this great commission set forth for all of humanity, set forth for all churches, both local and universal, when we see this command, when we see this great commission, 
what we read in this, how we apply it for ourselves is that we want to connect every person with God's grace. The goal of Grace Bible Church is to connect every person with God's grace. Now, you might pick up on the fact that when I say, you know, we're, we're connecting every person with, with God's grace, with the grace of God, that's, I mean, it kind of makes sense because it's in our name, right? Like when I talk about the grace of God, you're like, oh yeah, because it's a grace Bible church, right? It's part of our name. It's part of who we are. It's a foundational piece of even the formation of us as a church. And it's why you go to Texas A&M University, right? You go to Texas A&M. What's the A stand for? Agriculture, dang straight. Farmer fight. What's the M stand for? Wow, okay, <laughs> that was actually really good. A lot of us, magical was a good guess, but uh, mechanical, maybe one day, put in the bylaws, uh, email your senator. But we are, yeah, mechanical, right? It's this idea of mechanical engineering. I'm impressed you knew that. that I, I, like, m- my wife and I were trying to guess when I was looking it up, and we were like, maybe like mechanics or me- mechanization? Like, I don't know, but mechanical, yeah, that's it. But, but why? Because Texas A&M was founded on that. The original name had something about like the school of, uh, the State School of Agriculture and Mechanical something, I don't know, something like that. Like, it was, it's founded on that agriculture, on that mechanical engineering aspect. I mean, if you know anyone who's an engineering major, anyone who's like an ag business or something major, like, they take great, great pride in that fact, right? And they'll tell you, oh, hey, oh, like, I'm the A. I'm the A of this university, don't you forget. <laughs> You're like, um, okay. I don't know, that doesn't really happen. But when we... When we see that in Texas A&M, we know that there's something deep down, there's something foundational about agriculture, about engineering to A&M, right? We still see that to this day. It's carried forward. As Grace Bible Church, we have the word grace in our name because it's not just a a cool word that we thought meshed well with Bible, like, ooh, Grace Bible, that's kind of good, too guttural sounds. No, instead, what we do, the reason we have that is because it's part of our DNA. It's part of our mission. It's part of our goal. We want to make sure that we as a church Bring God's grace to the world around us. We want to connect every person with God's grace because we believe that the grace of God has the power to transform lives and communities and cultures and nations. The grace of God is vital because true life is only obtained. Eternal life is only found by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It all starts with grace. And what do I mean by that? Right, practically, how do we understand that goal? Practically, how do we move towards that? When I say the grace of God, when I say God's grace, what does that even mean? When we read Ephesians 2, where it says that by grace you are saved through faith, that's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, it is not from works so that no one can boast. What are we reading? What are we seeing there? Thankfully, what God does is he explains. When he says, it's by grace you're saved, he, he equates it to something. He says, well, essentially, it's just the gift of God. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor, meaning you did nothing to deserve some blessing or some gift that someone gives to you. That's what grace is. When I look at someone, they don't deserve anything from me. And yet I bless them anyway. I give them a gift anyway. That's, that's grace. And what is God's gift to us? Salvation meaning life, meaning relationship with himself. He says it's by grace you're saved. Something that we all desperately need because we're all sinners. We're all broken. Any of us 
can take an honest look at our lives and say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty jacked up <laughs> in certain ways. I always fail at this, or I, di- I said this to my parents over the break, and I, I can't believe it. I, I treated this person this way, or I did this in this class, or I'm worried about this, or whatever it is. We, we see faults and failures in our lives, and we know that that's sin. And that because of that sin, we are destined to be eternally separated from God. God, who will not tolerate sin. So we're, we're destined for death, meaning separation from God forever. But by grace, but as a gift, he offers us salvation. How? Through faith. In what? In the life of his son. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. If I recognize that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live, die, and rise again for me, if I see him as my Lord, as my Savior, then I have life. I'm no longer a child of wrath, but instead I'm adopted into the family of God who becomes my father. Other believers become my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. And it's a gift. It's by grace that God's given this to us. Because that's the thing about gifts, though, is that it has a cost for someone, right? Every gift has some sort of cost. If you're an economics major, you know there's no such thing as a free lunch. Someone has to pay for whatever it is. It's free for the recipient, but it's very, very costly for the giver at times, right? And when we appreciate, when we know the cost of a certain gift, it, it lets us appreciate it more, right? When you're a kid and you're growing up and maybe your friend's parents buy you dinner or make you dinner, and you're in like third grade, you're like, oh, thanks for the hot dogs, Mrs. G. Awesome. And you eat it and like, oh, this is so good. Ah, great. But then, you know, you're like, okay, let's go play Nintendo or whatever it is. Like, let's go beat up your sister. Like, you do, you do those things. Like, you just kind of move on with your life. As opposed to now, when your roommate's parents roll into town, maybe this week because they're going to help them move in, what do you do? You just kind of hang around. You're like, oh, you guys going to, you guys going to dinner later? Uh, what, what's going on? <laughs> what do you want to... I mean, I'll cook, like, ramen for you if you, oh, you want to take us to dinner? Oh, okay, well, great. And then you go to dinner with them. Why? Because when that check comes, you're not, I mean, you maybe are, like, a little, like, oh, I'll just go get that. But, you know, they're going to buy your dinner, right? They're going to buy your lunch. They're going to bring these groceries. They're going to do whatever. They're going to cook for you. They're going to provide for you. And at this stage in your life, oh, my goodness, that's amazing, right? Your roommate's parents buy you dinner. You're like, you're, you're my family now. Thank you. <laughs> this is where I belong. <laughs> This is where I'm going to live. Because you appreciate the cost of that. You appreciate the cost of that meal. Therefore, their grace is so much more meaningful in your life. The greater the cost, the greater the gift, and the greater the grace tied to it. If you took intro to psych like I did, uh, maybe you remember the name of a guy named Carl Menninger, who was a famous psychologist uh, about a century ago. And, and he, or a psychiatrist, and he just did a lot in terms of setting up kind of psych wards and, and working with the mentally ill. And just, he did a lot of really wonderful things in the world of psychology and psychiatry. But, but one of the things that he was so saddened by, one of the things that he would talk on from time to time was the level of guilt that the people experienced, that he talked with every day, the people that were uh, ill and, and needed treatment and needed to maybe be protected from themselves. He, he actually would say from time to time that if he could just convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals, if he could just convince those patients, all the patients, that their sins were forgiven, 
he was convinced that 75% of them would walk out the next day. Because he saw time and time again where this guilt, the shame, was just destroying people. It's wrecking them. They felt the weight of their mistakes, of their, the way they mistreated their loved ones or the actions that they did at work or whatever it is. Unfortunately, Carl couldn't tell him that because Carl didn't know how that forgiveness would be found. He wasn't a believer. So when faced with guilt and shame, he just said, I can't help you. But we look at that situation, we look at that guilt, and we look at that shame, and we know that there is a way. There is only one way that the debt of that sin can be paid. There's only one sacrifice that can be made to atone for those mistakes. We know that from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors that you were ransomed, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood. Like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. By definition, a Christian is someone who recognizes that we were ransomed from sin, from death. We are saved by grace, through faith, in the precious blood of Christ, meaning the death, the sacrifice of Christ. We know that. We believe that. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people, there are billions of people in our world right now who don't. It's something that we didn't earn, so it's something we can't lose. That's what's beautiful about grace. That's what beautiful, what's so beautiful about Christianity the only religion that's, that's known for grace, that's founded on grace, is something that you didn't earn. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't perform a certain number of actions. You didn't say a certain number of prayers. You didn't go on a certain number of mission trips. You simply believe. You put your faith in Christ. You didn't earn it, so you can't lose it. You can't do anything to gain it, so you can't do anything to, to lose it. You, it's, a, it's a powerful, life-changing thing. Man, just grace in general is so powerful. We know that God's grace is the most powerful, life-changing thing in the universe. And we see that. I mean, we, we see it in just even just common grace between people. We know, we see time and time again that rules alone don't change people, but grace always does. I mean, I remember growing up, going to, for the first time, going to this place that I'd heard tales of uh, called Chicken Express. And the first time I went to Chicken Express, I got, you know, just like a chicken basket or whatever, you know, the box. Because that's where, like, you know, you just got to get the standard kind of chicken, chicken box. And I was like, all right. So I order it. And it's like a, you know, four piece or something. I get it. You know, I'm sitting down, ready to eat this, this feast. And, and suddenly I look at my box. I'm like, oh, I ordered a four piece, but there's five pieces in here. Oh my goodness. Like, I thought, oh my gosh. They're like, somebody slipped up. Like, oh well, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. Uh, good for me. And I, I got to enjoy that extra tender. But then I went again with friends. And, and this was in high school. And we went again another time. And I opened up, I ordered my four pieces, you know, kind of thinking, hoping deep down, like, oh man, I wonder. And I opened up and, oh my goodness, I ordered a four piece, but there's an extra piece in here. Again. And at this one, I asked my friends, I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I got it. You wouldn't believe this. But I got an extra piece, and they're like, oh, okay, look, look, look. And some of us know. When you go to Chicken Express and you order whatever, a three-piece or a four-piece, they always give you an extra piece. 
that's amazing. And the first time, even when you know it's coming, you're like, that's amazing. The first time you sit down, the second time you get that, man, you just, you see that. And then what it is, is it's just, it's just grace, right? It's just a little, just a little piece of grace. Battered and fried and put in your box. And they hand it to you, and you're like, oh my gosh. And it's, it's life-changing, right? Like, you, that happens, you see that box, and you're like, this is my family now. Like, this is where I'm going to live. Sorry, Joe's family. I live with Chicken Express now because they give me an extra piece. Man, just talking about it, I'm like, I got to go, like, right after this. Like, I need to go get some of that because it's a beautiful thing. It's grace, and it's something that wins people over. When you see grace in this world, man, it changes people. Following the rules, setting up guidelines and boundaries, that it can be effective, but you know what? You want to really change someone's life. You really want to rock somebody's world. Show them grace. Give them some undeserved favor. Give them an undeserved blessing. You have a friend for life. Because something deep within us knows that grace is beautiful. I think it's because God has put eternity on the heart of man. I think it's God that's put this deep down knowledge that, man, I'm a sinner and I'm broken. I don't deserve anything but destruction. So when we see even just the tiniest piece of grace, I mean, it it resonates with our whole being. So when we see the grace of God, that he would look down on us and have mercy, that he would save us, that he would love us even while we were still sinners, that Christ would still die for us, man, that can change the world. So if that's what grace is, I mean, how do we connect people to that? Right? If our goal is to connect every person with God's grace, how do we go about that? How do people encounter the grace of God? What we see in Scripture and in life is, is generally people run into encounter grace in, in two main ways. When we look at it in Scripture, we see that the first way is that generally God connects people with his grace through his word, through Scripture. And then the other way we see it done primarily is through people, through his sons and daughters, through us. We see the word of God bringing people to his grace, connecting them to his grace in powerful ways. That's why Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It piercing even to the point of dividing soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It's able to judge the desires and the thoughts of the heart. We know that God's word is powerful. I mean, some of us, hopefully most, if not all of us, have seen this power in our own lives or in our friends' lives or in our family's lives. The word of God is, is sharp. Man, it's living. It's active. It, it affects people's lives in ways that, man, it's just, it, it's amazing. We have people on staff here at Grace Bible Church. We have one of our college fellows. She basically came to faith because of just reading scripture. I mean, there are a lot of factors at play, but one of the main ones, one of the first ones, was just someone uh, working for the Gideons and the Gideons ministry, where, you know, when you go to hotels and you open the door, you're like, oh, it's the Bible. The Gideons put it there. They just hand out Bibles. That's what they do. They hand out Scripture because they have so much faith in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is living and active. So they just give out Bibles. And sure enough, one of our staff members, she was just given a Bible. She was just given a New Testament on campus, just walking around. So I was like, here you go. She's like, uh, thank you. Grew a Buddhist. And yet, when she held that word, when she started to read those words, it sparked something within her. Just reading. The 
word of God is living and active. That's why we have ministries like the Jesus film, most translated, most, most distributed film of, of all time, where you just see the, these men and these women reenacting, playing out, but they're, they're reciting Scripture. And they're just speaking straight up Scripture. And when people watch this in their own language or with subtitles or whatever it is, I mean, it changes lives. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have come to faith because of the Jesus film, because they're just hearing Scripture. One of my profs at DTS, he, he was telling me about, or he told us the class about how there, there was this uh, mission field. There's this one area where they weren't allowed to bring the printed Bible. It was, it was illegal. And they weren't allowed to show the Jesus film. It was also illegal. But they discovered that there was a loophole in, in that area where there was nothing wrong with, with uh, speaking Scripture, right? There was nothing could be done against you to, for, for saying words. So what they did is they got someone to translate uh, one of the Gospels. I think it was the Gospel of John. And he just kind of recited it. They recorded it. They put it on this little, uh, like, player thing. They jury-rigged this kind of little device, and they just stuck it on top of a car, and they would drive around to these different villages and these different tribes. They'd park for the day, and they'd wind it up, and they would just let Scripture be read to the crowd. They would just play through the speaker, and people would just come, and they'd gather, and they'd listen. And they saw incredible revival in these unreached people groups, these people who had no reason to believe the gospel, these people who had no reason to come to faith to, to give Christianity a shot. They were deeply entrenched in their current religion, and yet they would come and they would just hear the words of God read through with just a janky little speaker on top of a car, and they came to faith. Because it's just that powerful. The word of God is living and active. That's why we here at Grace are committed to studying his word. On Sundays, you come here on a Sunday morning, man, we're going to be talking from Scripture. We're going to be reading the Bible. We're going to be looking at passages that, that God wrote, not just the thoughts that Jacob came up with or the things that Trey came up with or the things that our staff thought would be really good for you to hear. We're going to look at Scripture because it's living and active. That's why we're committed here at Grace to having communities, to having small groups that are dedicated to reading Scripture. They're committed to studying the words of God throughout the week because it's living, it's active, because it connects people to God's grace. But God doesn't only move through his scripture, he also moves through his people, which is why Hebrews tells us to, to take thought of, of how to spur one another onto love, to good works. Not abandoning our own meetings, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, even more so, because you see the day drawing near, the day that we read in Revelation. Revelation 7, talking about that day where we're all people, where all, all, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming. That day has been promised. And as that day approaches, we want to make sure that we're gathering together. To, why? To encourage each other towards love, towards good works. In other words, to encourage each other, not just in our own little community, be like, hey, you're doing a great job. I love it. Thanks. Haircut. But to encourage people towards loving and, and working for the sake of those around us, for the sake of those that aren't in our community. Because we know that God uses his people to connect, the, to connect others to his grace. I mean, that's why if, if you're maybe still searching or maybe you, you've maybe got a New Year's resolution or you're kind of bouncing around or you've been bouncing around to churches for a while, to communities for a while, you went and visited this place or that place or whatever it is, I would really encourage you uh, to go ahead and just pick a spot, to pick a community. 
can be here, it can be somewhere else. I, I'm, I'm genuinely not offended if it's somewhere else. I just want you to be plugged in somewhere where you have community. Because so many times, man, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I've had so many conversations with students who, who fall away from the faith or fall into certain things and, and just get broken up about this and that because they never gathered together to spur one another on towards love and good works because they never found that community because they abandoned their meetings. Man, you're going to get rocked by college. There's going to be things in life, whether it's work or, or college, just like school stuff or family stuff, relationship stuff. Like something's going to come and it's going to rock you. And if you don't have a, a community to go to, to take that to, man, it's so much harder. God has designed us to need community. That's why we here at Grace are, are dedicated, committed to supporting one another. That's why this semester starting today and, and moving forward for the next few weeks, I mean, I'm, I'm really going to be pushing you and encouraging you towards membership, towards becoming a member of Grace Bible Church. It's something that we haven't talked about a lot in this setting over here on this side of the street. Uh, I'm not really sure why. Uh, we just kind of had a conversation. We were like, why don't we do that? And we were like, oh. So anyway, we're, we want to talk about it. We want to bring it to you. I want to encourage you to consider becoming a member of Grace Bible Church. I mean, that you're on the books. Not so that we can, like, put another bullet or send out an email like, we got these many members. Like, we, we want you in and committed. We want you here with us. We want you on the books so that we can better spur you on towards love and good works. We want to give you a connecting point to the church. We want you to come and dis- discover, man, where do I fit within the local body of Christ? How can I serve? How can I be a part of this community? How can I join together with these brothers and sisters that God has given me for the sake of connecting others to his grace? If you're interested in that, are, are we, it starts off with a class. You go to a membership, just a lunch. It's a couple hours. The next one's on January 31st. You put that in your calendar. Make a little note in your brain. You go online, you go on our website, you register for it. You say, hey, I'll, I'll be there. It's free. There's no cost to you. But it's an opportunity for you to show up and just hear about what, what are we doing at Grace? What are we about? What do we believe? What are our goals? How can you fit within this body? January 31st, Sunday, strongly encourage you. Consider it. Consider becoming a member so that you for sure have a place where you're being spurred on towards love, towards good works, towards connecting every person with the grace of God. So practically, I mean, as a church, one of the things that we do is we take that command very seriously. Right? And practically, when we look at our world, we see a lot of areas where we could be connecting people to God's grace. We see a lot of areas, we see a lot of people need to hear about the grace of God. We really take to heart Jesus' command in Acts 1-8 that we will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the farthest parts of the earth. We see this. This is just an elaboration on that great commission. We see this, this call, this command to go to the farthest parts of the earth, to go everywhere, to all people. Jesus is talking to about 120 people at this point. Probably about 120 people were gathered that he's speaking to. So, you know, that, that group project doesn't look quite as intimidating anymore because you're like, well, at least I didn't have to reach the entire world before there were, like, bicycles. You know, like, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to send you to all of the world. This is why God left us on earth. Right? This is the whole reason. 
I mean, there's lots of stuff that we do that, that's, that's cool, but, but it's not necessarily the reason we're here. It's not necessarily something that can only happen on earth. Like God calls us to worship him, and that's great. You know, Trey and the band, they do a wonderful job of leading us in that. But, but one day, we're going to be surrounded by a choir of angels. And then, you know, and Trey will probably still be there, you know, doing some backup. But, you know, like he might not necessarily be the lead guy. What's well, going to happen? And we're called to study God's word together. And, and you know, it's great. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's a, it's a wonderful pursuit. We're talking about it changes lives. But you know what? One day when, when we're in that new creation, that new heaven, that new earth, uh, we're going to realize that, oh, I don't necessarily have to read this stuff. I could just go probably talk to Paul or, or Moses. Like, oh, that'd probably be easier. You know, like just to have a conversation with that. We were called to pray, to commune with God, to spend time with the Lord. And, and you know, that's something that's really wonderful. But, but one day when we're in that new heaven, that new earth, in that new creation, you can just, you can just talk to God. Like, hey, God, and be like, yo, <laughs> probably like that. But you know, you'll have some sort of conversation with him. It's so much easier. All of those things, all of those commands, man, one day they're going to be so much better. But the one thing you can't do in heaven, the one thing we're not going to be able to do in the new heavens and the new earth and that new creation and that new state, share the gospel with people who need to hear it. Because by then it'll be too late. So when we as a church, when Grace Bible Church looks out, we see, okay, where are those people? And we see them in our world, we see them in our community, and we see them on our campus. And that, that's kind of the breakdown, that's the framework that we like to use. When Grace Bible Church started about 50 years ago, uh, we struggled, well I wasn't here, but they struggled uh, to support their one pastor. Right? So anytime you have a church plant, that's the, one of the big milestones is you're able to actually pay someone to work there. They were still struggling with it. They still weren't quite there on a, week, on a monthly basis to really support their one pastor. But even in that moment, they had people coming to them asking them for support to go on mission. They said, you know what? This is going to be a part of who we are. This is going to be a part of our DNA. So we're going to support four missionaries right from the get-go. Not fully. Right? They, they, I think they gave each of them like 25 a month. But, but they said, you know what? We're going to support these missions. This is going to be a part of who we are. And that's a part of our DNA that has carried forward. To this day, at this point, we still dedicate a large percentage of our budget towards missions. Part of our operating budget is towards missions. We give over half a million dollars annually to missions as a church in our budget, not counting what just individuals give and, and, and do we support about 76 families right now that are spread out across the globe. In addition to uh, even more people that are on uh, short-term mission trips, what we call stint, even more people that we send on uh, vision trips. Maybe some of you even went or some of you had friends that just went on. We had some vision trips overseas over this break. We have summer missions coming up that a lot of you have already signed up for, which is awesome. We are committed towards reaching the world to finding people of every tongue, every tribe, every nation and connecting them to God's grace. We see it in our world, man. We see it closer. We see it in our community. We just started this year. I don't know if you're aware, but this past fall, we, st- we just opened our third campus, Creekside, down South College Station. And you know, as soon as we did that, even actually right before we did that, we're already looking at our fourth, trying to figure out, man, where are we going to go? We went south. So what's north? What's east? What's west? Where can we go next? Where are the next group of people? Who are the other people that we need to connect with God's grace? We reach a lot of American-born people right now in our community. And you know what? There's a lot of not American-born people in our community. And so we're looking at, man, how do we reach 
those other people. That's why at this time, at the 11 o'clock hour, right across the little uh, sidewalk in the, in the gym, it's youth at 9.15 at 11. It's a church plant, actually, is what they've become. It's, it's a Mandarin-speaking church service. And they've recently, they hired their own pastor a while back. They've formed their, their own elder board this year. And what they're looking towards, you know, how do we find our own space? Where do, when we need, they're continuing to grow and flourish. So what, what's the next space that they're going to go to? This, this grace church that, that's Mandarin speaking, that reaches these uh, East Asian individuals so, so very well. We have groups like SAF, South Asian Fellowship, where we're, we're ministering to all these people that are coming to us from nations that we can't go to, that we're not necessarily able to send missionaries to, to Pakistan or Iran. Like, we can't send people to those places as easily, but they're coming to us. So how do we reach them? How do we minister to them? We have pastors on staff. That's their whole focus is, man, how do I reach these South Asian people? How do we reach these people in our community who don't look exactly like us? We reach a lot of college students, obviously. You're a big focus of who we are, of what we do. But we realize that, you know what? You're only with us so long. Even if someone came here their freshman year, they're like, this is where I'm going to be. And they stayed with us all four years. That's only four years. And then you're gone. Or five or six. That's, you know, that's fine. <laughs> More time together. I like it. But, you know, we, we see this occurring. We're like, well, okay, they're going to go to other communities. These people are going to graduate. So what do we do beyond that? How do we help you? How do we equip you past graduation? Which is why this semester, over the next six weeks, we're focusing on this. This is what we're doing for six weeks. We're following this kind of Apple commercial, and we're going to talk about (laughs) faith and work. Something that's been done for years up in New York, a guy named Tim Keller, an incredible pastor and scholar, uh, has been pioneering this for many, many years. He has this conference for faith and works, and there's their website, wonderful resources there if you're interested. He has a really great book called Every Good Endeavor uh, that we're actually going to go through in our uh, Life After College groups this semester. But man, this this idea of working well, of working for the Lord is something that we really want to talk about. So over the next six weeks, starting next week, we're starting a, a series on faith at work. Meaning, how do I take my faith and use it for the glory of God in my work environment? Because that's where 95% of us are going. We're going to just a normal vocation. Most of us aren't going into missions. Most of us aren't going to seminary. Most of us aren't coming to work at Grace. Most of us are going into the workplace. So how do we connect our work with God's work? How do we do that? How do we reach our communities, not just here, but beyond? We're going to talk about that. I would encourage you while you're still here, you know, come, you know, hear this. Like, please, you know, take that to heart. But, but while you're here, maybe when you do have that next year, or maybe you're just here for one more semester, look for a way to serve. Look for a way to serve your community. We, we have groups that do that. I mean, we have, we have ways that you can serve the community at large. You, we have ways you can serve the community just here at Grace, uh, specifically our children's ministry. Uh, they, I mean, they're getting hit. Uh, with just a lot of losing, they've lost a lot of volunteers this semester. So maybe if you want to help out a bunch of young moms, young families by watching their kids for a little bit, that would be awesome. Uh, we have a Wednesday morning in particular, Women's Bible Study, where they've just lost a ton of workers. So it's a, it's a paid gig. You come in for like three or four hours, I think on a Wednesday morning. And man, it's a way that you can serve. 
It's a way that you can be involved in the community. If you have questions about that, about any way to serve here at Grace or in our community, you can go to the back after this. We'll have leaders back there, and uh, staff back there that can talk to you online. We have a lot of stuff as well. But we want to reach not just our world. We want to reach not just our community, but we want to reach our campus. Man, o- over the break, College Station is incredible. For those of us, for those of us that were here, and for those of you that have seen it before, uh, man, College Station, Christmas College Station is it's, it's a wonderland uh, because it's just empty and you can do whatever you want anytime. You can drive. I, sometimes I just go like lay in the middle of George Bush. I'm like, nah, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's five o'clock. I can do whatever. No cars. No one's here. And you can eat anywhere and you can do anything. It's amazing. And it's one of those things that honestly, like we're a little bit sad to see it go. But at the same time, when the semester starts in two days, when classes start back again, honestly, that's something that I, I desire more. I, I would rather see Tuesday come around than Tuesday never arrive. Because, you know, while College Station, Christmas College Station is very comfortable, I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be effective. I want to be effective for God. And that's why we're here. That's why we have a college ministry. Because college ministry is effective. of American believers come to faith before their 21st birthday. 75%. A lot of those, it's children or youth, but a whole big chunk of those are 18 to 21. You're in a stage where you're making major decisions about your future, about your career, about your family, about your spouse. And you know that. You're feeling that right now. Even right now, I said spouse, and you're like, oh, you're right. Like We have that (laughs) decision weighing on us. This is a pivotal moment for you. You are future leaders. When you're in college, man, colleges are full. Texas A&M, especially Blinn College, man, we, we are full of future leaders in our government, in our, in our businesses, in our education, in our ministries, in our public sector, anywhere. We've got the cream of the crop all around us, right over there, right on campus. So how do we speak to those people? How do we reach those people? I mean, that's why we're in College Station. It's, it's an incredibly effective place to be. We have parachurch ministries like Breakaway and Impact that are mind-boggling in their numbers and their size. Very unique and incredible. There's an openness to the gospel at Texas, in College Station, Texas, College Station, Bryan. There's an openness to the gospel that is just, it's unbelievable. Some of you know that. Some of you will just figure that out in a few years after you leave. There's an openness to the gospel here, a willingness to participate in evangelism and missions and care that is just, it's mind-boggling. We are at one of the most spiritually strategic campuses in our nation, if not our world, right here. So what are we going to do about it? How do we connect those people with the grace of God? One of our founding elders, a guy named Dick Davison, had this thing that he would say from time to time, which is beautiful. He'd sit down, or he'd be addressing a group of maybe elders or pastors or congregation. You'd tell them, you know what? We're called to wage war against the kingdom of darkness. And college students are the tip of our spear. Meaning you are the reason that we're here. You're the reason that I'm here. Because I know that college ministry is effective for connecting people, every person, with God's grace. The band is going to come up. They're going to lead us through a few more songs and worship. But I, I, would, 
I would encourage you in these last few moments that we have, these last kind of moments of, of the still, of the quiet, the calm before the storm, before classes hit, before roommates are all back, before organizations start back up, I would encourage you this morning to just take a moment and ask the Lord, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use me to connect people with God's grace? Some of us demand that we are the person in need of that connection. Some of us maybe made it a long time ago and we just kind of wandered. We need to be kind of brought back. That's you. I'd encourage you. You should get plugged in. You should find a community of people that can talk with you about that, encourage you in that. We'll have information about that in the back. For some of us, we're thinking, you know what? It's not necessarily uh, a connection I've ever made. In which case, again, I would encourage you, come, come talk to me or talk with the staff member after this. We would love, we would love to talk with you or set up a coffee or a lunch or something to talk with you about that. Some of us were thinking, you know what? It, it's a connection that I made and it's a connection that honestly that I've, I've been pretty consistent with and I think I'm ready to bring it to someone else. I'm ready to, to look for other people to connect with God's grace, which, again, I would encourage you to talk to us about that. Go to the back. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for ways to get connected with us so that we can connect you with others. Because the goal of Grace Bible Church is what? To connect every person with God's grace. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to, to work in your ministry. God, we, we thank you that you have placed a call on our life that we're not just here uh, for our own benefit, for our own sake, to just sort of uh, wallow in our, our own issues. But God, you've put a purpose ahead of us. God, you've given us a mission and a calling. God, it's, it's awesome. Lord, it's something that we don't want to take for granted. If you would take a moment right now and just on your own, ask the Lord, God, where am I effective for you? Are you calling me to reach someone in, in another nation? Are you calling me to the world right now? Are you calling me to the community at large right now? Are you calling me to somewhere on campus? Ask the Lord to bring a, a, a place to your mind or a person to your mind. Ask the Lord to show you, man, where do I start? Where do I go? How do I seek after that, that goal, that purpose of connecting others with God's grace? Ask him that right now.